Welcome back to the Facts and Blog and Podcast. Today, we are joined by Eric and John from Pew Pew Tactical. And uh, it's a special one. This is episode number 10 for us. We haven't been at this very long, but we've been having a lot of fun doing it. We're super excited that they are with us today. With me is uh, our Director of Marketing, Kurt Stahlbach. But Eric, John, would you please uh, just introduce yourselves and, and what you do at Pew Pew? Okay, uh, I guess I'll go first. I'm Eric Hung. I'm the founder of PP Tactical, which started off basically just as a uh, personal gun blog back in around 2016 when I first got into guns and all my friends were asking me the same questions over and over. So I felt, okay, I'll just write a blog and at least 10 people will read it. And now we've uh, come a long way. We get millions of uh, visitors each month and we just have a really good time playing with uh, the newest uh, guns out there, getting everything hands on and testing it and letting uh, our audience know. Excellent. John? Hey, uh, I'm John. Uh, I handle social media uh, over at QQ. Um, I am their pretty YouTube boy. Um, <laughs> Every brand needs a pretty face. Yeah, true. It's very true. And I'm at least like a six or seven out of 10. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my end. Uh, I am a professional meme peddler. Um, so if you're at all active on our Facebook page, uh, all of the shit posting is uh, generally me. But outside of that, um, like I said, I do all of the video content. Um, and a lot of the times, depending on what it is, we all kind of have like our own specializations, but I do a lot of the hands-on testing, um, and all of the script writing for our videos and such as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, guys, uh, you know, one of the main things that we wanted to touch on today is just kind of the difference in gun laws between where we are and where you are. And, and mm -hmm. with the pandemic, you know, we've been mentioning for several weeks about this gun run and how places have been out of stock and how a lot of first time gun buyers, especially people who, you know, may have been against gun ownership in the past or now like, oh, my God, I need one. And then they realize that there's a lot more shoots and ladders than go to buying uh, a gun legally than what has been portrayed to them uh, over the years in the media. Um, you know, a lot of people we, we still get Facebook and Instagram messages asking about like door delivery. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, no, 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 like that's not, that's not how it works. Um, so I'd love to just kind of talk, um, about that and where are you guys based out of specifically? Like where do you guys live, um, in, in California? Yeah. So we're uh, based out of LA and, um, yeah, there, there have been tons and tons of stories now of friends like coming out of the woodwork and asking us how to, how to get guns. And uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll let John go through it. Cause uh, he's, he's had a lot more experience uh, dealing with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been, um, interesting. Uh, I think there's, there's a little bit of, uh, an inclination to kind of want to like rub it in like, Oh yeah, no, you guys get it now. Right. Um, but I think for at least on my part, I, I've managed to uh, avoid those inclinations a little bit. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, I think the vast majority of people who may not uh, have been a part of this community before, but are now actively like interested in jumping in now understand that it's like, oh, a lot of this is kind of draconian and maybe a little bit silly. So hopefully it's a teachable moment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we were talking uh, to Dan Zimmerman from The Truth About Guns a few weeks ago and and, you know, he had been interviewing uh, several gun stores kind of throughout the country and and just 
I mean, you you probably repeddled the meme too of like the Becky at the gun counter, you know, being upset that you know she couldn't get her gun that day. You know, uh, how how does that play into what you see in California versus kind of like what we see in the Midwest? I mean, has how has the gun control conversation kind of mm-hmm. changed even just in these in these last few months? I think um, a lot of people just uh, like even anti-gun friends or people just didn't care about guns, but they want some sort of protection right now. They're finding out that, OK, there there is some gun control and I voted it in and this is now what happens. So just uh, like anecdotally, we found that the gun stores around us, around L.A., um, when it reached peak panic, maybe a few weeks ago, we were hearing stories of five hour waits. <laughs> and um, so it's five hour waits to get in there. And then you have to take your safety certificate test or whatever they call it now. And then you have to fill out all your DROS forms, pay, and then you get to wait 10 days to go there and wait five more hours. And so it's just been a mess. There's no ammo. There's no mags. People are finding out. And I think the scariest, at least for me, is, okay, now you have all these gun owners that have their guns and now the ranges are closed. So they have no way to actually test out their guns. And that's just, I don't know. At that point, it's it's a little scary. (laughs) Now, Kurt, you had a story of just a few weeks ago of you picking one up and and hearing people at the range, because this was right before the ranges closed down. You want to just give uh, your little anecdote on what? Yeah, it was it was literally the day before and they they opened them back up. But it was, you know, again, it was it was things were in flux. And so they were, you know, Ohio came down and said, "Okay, well, we're going to have to close the range down. But the store you know, the, the store can still stay open. And so people were coming in and there was a group of about eight people who came in and they actually, the, the gun shop, they did it right. They had folks like right at the front door being like, Hey, you know, have you, have you purchased a gun before? You know, what can I help you with just to kind of guide people? Because there were so many people there, you know, and they're like, yeah, we want to go shoot. And they're like, okay. Um, have you ever shot before? Nope. <laughs> so I just kind of see them look and they like get on the little radio. They're like, we need two ROs, with these, which is good. But again, I mean, you know, that that's a rough time to decide, Hey, I'm going to jump into this. And so I, I think it is, I think you're right. Um, that there is a great opportunity and a, and a lot number of new people are kind of coming into the fold, but mm-hmm. you're right. We've, you know, there's a bunch of people who purchase guns who, they haven't done any training. They haven't really even shot them much. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I think that it is. I think that we all have that right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very important that, that we have the, the right and the ability to protect ourselves. But, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that as things kind of open back up, that as, as a, the firearms community, that we really do, that we really take the opportunity to say, hey, okay, now that we can all take a bit of a breather, Let's bring this back in and let's like show you guys, Hey, here's the right way to do this. Here's the safe way to do this. Here are the things you need to think about, you know? Yeah. For us, like we, we cater a lot to the beginners. So we see a lot of traffic for people coming in for all those beginner articles. And like, we have a video course too, that's doing phenomenally well. So there are like tons of people trying to get that right information out there. Yeah. And sort of like we started the the blog because at least when I started maybe 10 years ago, just looking up on forums, looking up on other blogs, it just felt like it wasn't very beginner friendly. So that's like the number one thing we like aim for, like just to be really helpful for everyone. Yeah, because there's a lot. I mean, it, it, it really, it's not just in the firearms industry. It just kind of has a different level of oomph to it where you have kind of the insiders and the lifelong, you know, shooters and gun owners. 
you know, that we get set in our ways and things and, and it kind of mm-hmm. becomes territorial and we're like, oh, you're stupid. If you don't get this and whatever, you don't do that. And, and not even leaving room for tastes and preferences, you know, um, outside of that stuff. But guys, you were uh, kind enough to give me some bullet points because obviously I don't live in California. Uh, I don't necessarily know everything that goes into the gum malls there. And this year was my first year at SHOT Show. So seeing all these people from Cali come up and be like, oh, we'd love to have that. But, you know, uh, and, and going over things, it was very eye-opening for me. Um, and since you, you guys do have some of the more, you know, stricter gun laws, I'd like to walk through mm-hmm. kind of some of that. And then hopefully, you know, we could, uh, you know, let our audience understand and, and let folks as a whole understand like, hey, this, mm-hmm. this really gets down to a microcosm type level uh, of gun control. And it's not different from state to state. And it's definitely not different for a lot of people from city to city. Um, so there's a lot to, to take in there. The first thing I want to ask about is the idea of the handgun roster. Can you give me like a just a you know book jacket blurb version of what that <laughs> is and, and how it works? Yeah, like disclaimer, I'm obviously not a lawyer, so look up all your stuff. Look up your local <laughs> yes, state laws. Yeah. Yeah. Disclaimer, not yes, all lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the handgun roster was started, I think, sometime in the 2000s, and it basically dictated what was, quote-unquote, safe for, for consumers in California. So it listed out um, like the manufacturers, the models, even down to the specific like aesthetics. Like if you have different color grips, different color just uh, like... Cerakote, it's going to be a different kind of gun. And with that, it kind of put a lot of burden on manufacturers because they had to submit a couple handguns um, to get onto the roster. And so that effectively shut off anything new um, for at least like I think the last 10 years or so. So if anything is new, if you see that shot show, um, you're not going to be able to get in California. Um, But there's also the weird workaround where normal civilians can't get things off the roster but law enforcement can. And so that spawned this weird sort of secondary market on like CalGuns, one of the most popular um, California gun forums, where you can see just regular guns like like you would probably take for granted, like a VP9 or anything. It's not new. It's not, it's not like super awesome, um, but it's going to fetch like 50% to 200% markup just because you can't really get it here. And so there's been a lot of like like crazy stories about like police officers just buying tons of them, immediately selling them and then getting, getting popped for that. Um, so basically if you want something, your highest generation stuff you're going to get, is like a Glock third gen. And I think that's why Glock still produces them just to service the California market. And you put a, you put a tag note in here for me, uh, <laughs> that just says mag locked things. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you explain that? And kind of what maybe some yeah, of so that one's more, that one's more rifles. I had like one more crazy talking point about the roster. Yeah, so, okay. So they have to have like, obviously there has to be like some way to get on the roster, sure. uh, like new guns. So it's, it's a little bit easier for revolvers, but let's say you want a new, I don't know, striker fire gun to get on it. You have to meet the requirement of micro stamping. And so Currently, there's no technology for it because it's not even as easy as putting a little like stamp engraving on the firing pin. They want it two locations on on the on the casing. So you're just going to add like all this crazy mechanical stuff in there. That's just more possibility to break. And to me, that just doesn't seem as safe. So it's just like a weird oxymoron of like the safe list of of handguns that Californians can own. That's 
Yep. <laughs> I'm speechless. When we were talking before about setting this up, I was like, I to think this will be fun, but I hate to use the word fun because we really not fun about this. You know, John, moving to you, I mean, what have you seen as far as like friends coming to you, asking questions, what should they get? Like what has been the biggest stumbling block? Has it been the idea that they have to wait all this time and that there's so much red tape or is it more like it's just a whole new world to even own a firearm. What, what has been kind of the biggest thing for you? Uh, definitely the latter. Um, I think that there's a little bit of that like system shock of, oh, like I have to wait or, you know, oh, there's droves and then you need to do droves to also purchase ammo in California now as well. Um, so there's a little bit of getting used to that, but I would say like far and away, uh, the, the larger but sillier problem is like, if you took that period where you were getting into firearms and maybe you were trying to consume all of these different opinions and like, you know, gather a sense of like what your own leanings might be about any specific topic, like, Oh, that gun's kind of cool. Like maybe that would be something I'd want to check out in the future. Whatever time scale that that happened on, imagine condensing that down to like two or three weeks. So like yeah. I have all of these friends that are, you know, they are trying to legitimately hop in um, and are just kind of struggling to digest this massive amount of information. And um, obviously it's like, it's what we do for a living. So I'm like, Hey, check out this article on my work website, but they'll kind of skim it. And I'll usually get more questions back than, you know, led us to that point to begin with. So, um, there's definitely been, I, I would say like the, uh, the acceleration of like the window of consumption for that information has definitely sped up. And, and it leads to, I think a lot of, um, maybe a little bit more misunderstandings because there is that background level of panic where people, you know, feel like they need to to grab onto this info and like consume it now, basically. Right. So well, and, and, and to piggyback on that, yeah. you guys, I mean, really everybody dealt with, but you know, the LA area, especially just the flip-flopping of gun stores being mm -hmm. open and closed and open yeah. and closed. You know, so you have these people that I'm assuming are coming to you for advice. They collect the advice. They're ready to go by. And then it's like, oh, we're, open, we're closed. We're open and closed. So could you kind of maybe walk us through a 10,000-foot view timeline of what that was like, you know, in L.A. And then uh, maybe some of the after effects that, that you're feeling from it. Uh, Eric, did you have mm -hmm. more detailed specifics on the, uh, the gun store stuff? Honestly, I think it just flip flop, flip flop, like yeah. this episode where he's like, snip, snap, snip, snap. And yeah. like, we had to double check, like, okay, are they even open right now? And I think they are. Uh, there, there were a bunch of lawsuits filed against them. So they are open. Um, and there was, there was a pretty cool, um, I think, by, by some some legal entity that was saying, okay, you can do drive-through pickups and things like that. So I don't know if the ones around us do that, but they are now allowed for uh, for gun stores. That, that apparently, that ruling came from the ATF themselves. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. Whether California is going to allow that or not, I I can't, I don't understand how that would work. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, every industry is obviously dealing with the new normal or at least the prolonged you know vacation away from normal you know we, we even we even had to you know put a banner on our website just letting people know hey you know we are open you know we are still making things now obviously supply chain is a little weird right now because you know it 
if you're ordering in parts or, or, or all that kind of thing. I mean, even if you go on like Brownell's website, you know, that their out of stock, you know, percentage is way higher, you know, than it, it normally was. Um, so that's definitely been really interesting for sure. Um, but so maybe, maybe we can touch on that a little bit too. I mean, just not, not even from you guys personally, but what have you seen? What have you read? What have you heard about just the supply and demand deficit that, that we're dealing with right now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I reached out to manufacturers pretty much after the, the craziness started and they're just saying everything was flying off the shelves. Um, shipping times is just a, a lot longer. And um, with guns flying off the shelves and a lot of first timers getting into it, there's obviously that ammo shortage. And so you would see a lot of like hate for retailers online that raise their prices. Um, and obviously like it's a lot of it is warranted, but we weren't seeing like crazy, crazy prices, except for I think cheaper, cheaper than dirt. <laughs> so yeah. they, had, they had some, we, like, we grabbed some screenshots for that. Um, yeah. But otherwise, like, I, I mean, it's really hard as the retailer as well. Like I can definitely see their shoes, like their, their costs went up a little bit. Um, and it's like, do they want to sell out everything they have in like 14 minutes, like your masks? Um, or do they want to yeah. raise the price a little bit to the point where if someone really wants it, they can still get it. They don't have to get into that like 30 minute window. And so it is pretty difficult. Like every time we're, we're like, now we're like really searching hard, uh, far and deep for, um, like deals to post up because there really are no deals. Uh, we're just finding like the new normal of, of prices, especially for very popular calipers like nine and five, five, six. So, so everything's you, gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you guys think, especially, you know, in a, in a socioeconomic climate, like you live in, I mean, do you think there's promise here of, of potentially petitioning and, and changing or modifying, you know, the gun laws that, that you guys have to live under? Or do you think that the memory is just going to be so short and it's going to be, you know, back to business as usual once the state of emergency is lifted. And we've already seen the memes going around too, you mm -hmm. know, uh, people reselling and, and uh, you know, the guns that they bought during the, the pandemic. You know, do you, do you think that there's going to be an open road for, for conversation mm -hmm. on this? Um, I mean, what I hope is now that there's this massive influx of beginners, hopefully like younger beginners as well, like we as a community of, I don't know, more more veteran gun shooters, we can like welcome them in. Like I, like as soon as this quarantine's lifted, I'm definitely taking some of my friends who never shot before and, and got their first gun to the range so we can walk through everything. As so, and as so I hope like a lot of you guys out there uh, do that too for your for your newbie friends, like welcome them in, into the community because they're, they're our future. Um, more people on the ground that love guns, sort of know what hoops they had to jump through can, uh, can hopefully like alter some of the laws in the future. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit uh, about rifles and things. So how does that, what are kind of the, you know, outside of pandemic stuff, kind of, you know, what are the stipulations that maybe the rest of the country doesn't necessarily have to deal with that you guys have to deal with when it comes to rifles and their features? Okay. I think the first thing off top people's heads is when they see those goofy grips, especially like on channel, like we just get ready for that influx or on <laughs> other channels. They're like, what is that? Take that stuff off, like move out of California. Um, but basically when you see that goofy grip, which doesn't let you get your whole like hand around, around the grip, like they're like fins or modified sort of things like that. Um, that's to, that's to create a featureless rifle because there are some like scary features that California, I believe New York 
doesn't let you have if you want to maintain access to your magazine, uh, like dropping loose uh, easily. So um, we'll go back to the evil feature. So I had to write this down. Um, so they are a thumb hole stock, a folding or telescoping stock, a flash hider, grenade or flare launcher, extra scary, and a forward pistol grip. So if you want those features, then you have to mag lock your gun. But if you choose to go featureless on those, then you can have ready access to your uh, magazine uh, catch. Um, and so, so you see those goofy um, fin grips, those get rid of the pistol grip. Um, then you can't have flash hiders because because that makes you invisible at night, apparently. Because it's a scary word. <laughs> yeah, and then you see just like pinned stocks. And so essentially that makes your gun featureless and then you have access to your magazine and uh, your regular capacity mags if you had those legally like before. Um, but otherwise, if you want your gun to look cool, then you have to go with the mag locked uh, function, which is, and I, trying to remember exactly but there there was a, a different time where at different generations but currently it has to be so if you're a center fire rifle and uh, you want to mag lock it then you have to open up the action and so that is always open up to interpretation but at least for the ar platform what people are saying is that you have to crack open the upper and lower receiver and so at least with this, you get to see all the ingenuity of people pop out. There's been tons of devices that help you open up that, that rear pin and then crack open the, the upper and lower halves and then get you access to the magazine drop again. Um, so we've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of cool, crazy inventions out there. But I mean, it's, it's what we do to, to follow the law in California. Jeez. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So what about like uh, barrels? I mean, you mentioned flash hiders. Are you guys allowed to have threaded barrels at all? Or does it all have to be pen and weld or like we're doing mm -hmm. you know, integral yeah, barrels? Yeah, threaded barrels are actually okay for us. So we have that. So if you go the mag lock route, you can, uh, I mean, it obviously has to be 16 inches total. So you can do like the 14.5, 14.7s and then pin weld on a f uh, whatever device you want. Uh, but again, yeah, if you go with a featureless, it cannot be a flash hider. And so there's no real definition of that either. So it's just yeah. like if the manufacturer like advertises it with any flash hiding capabilities, then it's a no-go. Yeah. So so if you were to have a threaded barrel, it would have to be 16 inches total threaded and then, you know, mm -hmm. 1.5 or whatever comes on for yeah. the threaded muzzle device. So obviously we, you know, we came out with our integral barrels late last mm -hmm. year to kind of help some people with that. You know, that, that was a question that we got a lot. We still kind of continue to get, even with FAQ pages and blog posts about it and everything. It's like, you know, the people who maybe don't live in an area where it's that strict, they go, well, why, you know, why would you want that? Now we found that it helps with um, people who are doing lightweights. Uh, they like it. Um, some people who do different types of competition shooting, you know, where they have to be able to fit between different posts and all that kind of stuff. So there's been these little like nuanced things that, that it's kind of found a home in. A lot of it for us was getting to 16 inches total, which includes that, that integral muscle device to, mm -hmm. to keep in mind, you know, there's some states, some jurisdictions that don't even allow threaded. You know, mm -hmm. there's been stories I've heard just from people around the office, you know, where, uh, uh, people get a little sketchy with their pen and weld because if they try to clean it up, you know, and try <laughs> mm -hmm. to get rid of that weld spot just aesthetically, um, then now you can't prove, you know, that it's pen and mm -hmm. welded um, and it gets really touchy. So really the, the better weld job you do, uh, 
um, the more aesthetically anyway, the, the mm-hmm. more that you kind of fall into these kind of gray areas in the ATF guidelines uh, for that kind exactly. of stuff. Yeah. And I got like one of the one uh, upper from you guys with, with that in, integral sort of um, muzzle break. And so far, it's so great. Um, and also one of the Bantam 9 mil PCC. So that one I'm waiting for the range to o- open up so I can finally go test it. <laughs> yeah. So what, And so I'm assuming that AR-15 style and AR-9 style, since mm-hmm. you brought up the name, they're all going to have, regardless of caliber, they're, they're all going to have those same types of rules, right? So as yeah. far as like the mag lock versus featureless yep. and, and things like that, are there, are there any exceptions when the caliber changes? I mean, is yeah, just- I believe you're okay with uh, rimfire. Okay. And then, yeah, like two magazines, like lever action, that sort of stuff. I think you're okay. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The exciting uh, don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 If it's cool, it's going to be locked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. somebody needs to make a five-five-six rim fire. <laughs> there you oh. go. So, so what then are kind of the more popular things that you guys see? You know, when when mm-hmm. outside of the pandemic, when people are getting into firearms in California and LA proper. You know, what are they typically buying? Are they buying that secondary inflated market stuff that, you know, old cops are hacking? Or are they more <laughs> just going featureless or are they going matlock? But how, you know, what what is normally the, the most popular thing that you would see in California? Mm-hmm. I'd say probably just like what they see in the local gun shops. And thankfully, there's a couple of good ones around the area that they have like maglock options. And also they have like featureless options. And there's like a couple of manufacturers out there that also cater towards um, like the maglocked where it doesn't look goofy. There's nothing like inherently different from it. So at least your gun looks cool because that's that's really important. Um, but yeah, basically it's just uh, whatever the gun stores have. I think it's easiest because it's also very difficult to buy something online, have it go to your local FFL and then get it because they always inflate the price. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, it doesn't mean, make when, sense. So how, I mean, do you like, do you guys do like the 80 percenter thing? I mean, mm-hmm. how the, I mean, how have you, you know, what is yeah, the 80 percenter is like a whole nother can of worms that can probably be one episode itself. <laughs> but basically that thing is, is closed off in that you have to apply for a serial number before you build it. Now there is sort of brief period where if you built it already, you can put on your own serial and then sort of deal with that. Um, but as of now, I think it's, you've got to tell some, some alpha boy up, up, up there uh, what your serial is. And I think for handguns, it's become almost impossible as well because there is a sort of like you need 1.5 ounces of steel or something like that in there, which like polymer, at least lowers, just can't do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lots of... Yeah, like I feel super fortunate. So I have a question. So, and I guess, you know, I'm sure that if we haven't by now, we're going to hear the comments anyway, but it's a, it's a valid question, you know, like, you know, at some point, shout out being fringe. Okay, fine. Great. But also, I mean, it is like, you know, uh, just from being on the outside listening in, I'm like, man, that is, that is a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of course, I'm sure you guys get the question, like every four and a half seconds, why don't you just move out? (laughs) This is John for sure. Yeah. So it's like, um, Where do we even start with that one? Yeah. Uh, first of all, like the concept of just absolutely picking up your life and taking it elsewhere uh, is not quite as easy as comments on the internet uh, have 
you know, would lead you to believe. Um, but like for me, it's like there are like, yeah, our, our gun laws are absolutely draconian and, and super obnoxious to deal with. But like there's a lot of really cool things about the state um, and L.A. specifically that at least for me, it's it's like I wish that I didn't have to deal with all of this nonsense. But um, it doesn't outweigh the, the things that I like about Los Angeles, like the people, the food, the culture, the music. Uh, I myself am, am pretty involved in like the local music scene. And so, you know, it's easy to just ham fist smash salty comments into a YouTube uh, comment section, but um, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't really do the reality of the situation justice where it's like, I don't know, man, it's my life. And uh, I'm, you know, it's a lot more intertwined with everything else going on in the community than I think people realize. So um, perhaps someday uh, I too shall become a Californian that flees to the Pacific Northwest and am then hated by the communities there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But until that day comes, uh, I'm, I'm pretty uh, comfortable staying where I am. And I don't want to, and I don't want to sound like too, um, <laughs> too like storybook or after school special about it. <laughs> but you, know, you, you need advocates in these yeah. places. You know what I mean? If, if, every, if every gun owner and every gun ownership activist or 2A activist decided to just up and leave California or whatever other state or city might be really, you know, terminating the process, now you've lost a big stronghold of advocacy and the people who are trying to show what I think the pandemic has started to show people is, hey, there is a need. Like this isn't this isn't as far fetched as you're making it sound. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, do you really think it'll be like Nazi Germany or whatever like that? Like, no, I, you know, maybe not to that extreme, but you can definitely see where people are getting nervous because local police departments have started changing how they operate. You know, there's there's people being let out of jail early. There's been, you know, places where they've said down to the local level, okay, here's what this specific sheriff's office is doing to change how many people are on patrol, what calls they're going to respond to in person, mm -hmm. kind of what are going to be the tiers to them responding to those calls. And, you know, I, I think it has outside of just even the, you know, the, the sudden scare of a state of emergency has shown people that it really doesn't take all too many strokes of a pen to make you feel like, gosh, you know, I, I, I do really need to be able to protect myself or my family or my household. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think one of the um, sort of springboards for talking to my, a lot of my friends who are now finding themselves in that position where they are starting to um, come around on some of these things is like, you know, I, I don't look like a, a crazy gun person to, to most people. Right. And usually um, acquaintances that don't know me super well are, are a little bit surprised when they find that out. So um, it's this combination of, uh, I don't know, I think... I agree. If, if everyone just up and leaves the state, then there's no one left to advocate. And um, hopefully, I mean, we'll see where the winds take us because the future certainly feels uh, incredibly uncertain right now. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, like we do have maybe a little bit broader of a coalition than we went into this with uh, with people now, hopefully coming to that understanding that at the end of the day, um, yeah, like the state and society is great, but ultimately it's you that is responsible for, you know, you or your family or your friends protection. So, um, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then let me, it's like, I don't want to get 
too personal, but I mean, like you mentioned, you're in the music scene, and I think my green screen stuff went away and showed my keyboard over here. But you know, I, I did some work, you know, like in studios and as a gaming musician, and then both of you guys just living, you know, in a city and state that is generally more, you know, gun control leaning. I mean, how have you navigated that in the past in your scenes? Like when people are like, oh gosh, I didn't know you were a gun owner. Because that was our first podcast episode talking about the just kind of the um, I don't want to say biases, but just the assumptions and the stereotypes that come with gun ownership, you know, that it's everybody in tactical gear and camo all the time, you know, with mm-hmm. fixed hold dip. You know, you know, kind of how have you guys massaged that, especially as Pew Pew's grow? You know, how, how do you reach that topic with your friends and, and family? I usually will wait until I've developed, you know, like a little bit of rapport with whoever it is that I'm talking to until I drop that on them. Um, specifically around the office, uh, my dating life is a little bit of a meme and that I generally <laughs> tell women up front, it's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, I work for an outdoor gear review blog. And that usually satisfies. It's like, it's not a lie, but, <laughs> but we're not jumping uh, right into it. So um, I really do think it's it's about developing like a little bit of a a personal relationship with whoever it is. They don't necessarily need to know right off the bat. Um, But once they kind of have a handle for like who you are and, and what you're about and maybe some of your um, personal ethics, if you want to get into that far and then, then you can drop that on them and, and it's a little bit less jarring because they're, you're already like shattering probably a lot of um, presupposed notions that they built up in their head over it. Over, over what, um, you know, a typical gun owner looks like. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely about establishing uh, personal relationships first. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing, I don't know if we, we hit it yet or not, but one of the things that you guys mentioned on your rundown was just up-to-date mask slash outside rules. You want to go, go into that a little bit, or do you think we hit uh, Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, LAK, there's been this really weird kind of situation where it's like the Bay, uh, the Bay Area in California um, started to be the first affected by the outbreak. And they kind of like shuttered a lot of stuff. Um, Los Angeles County itself then announced their own measures. Then the governor uh, announced statewide measures. And it's been like a little bit weird figuring out who supersedes who. And I believe there's been some situations where like the governor has uh, given um, jurisdiction to like counties to decide, but in general, obviously the state is going to overrule um, any lesser measures coming down on the county level. Um, but I believe right now, at least for where we are, it is uh, required to have some sort of um, face protection if you're going outside. Obviously, they're discouraging like N95 and like actual legit PPE because healthcare workers need those. So um, it's pretty much like fabric covering cloth, some sort of bandana. Um, but for our city in particular, we're actually a little bit just outside of LA proper, but still LA County, um, I believe are now requiring, uh, face protection for like all employees that are still operating, uh, in essential businesses and customers too. So, um, it's, it's been interesting because, uh, I don't think that California or the U S at large has ever really had anything quite like that in, you know, I think flu masks are are generally not a big deal in other parts of the world, but asking Americans to, it it feels like a lot of people are struggling with that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been interesting to adjust to this new normal, if you want to call it that. (laughs) I think the weirdest thing is that 
I haven't had to go into a bank. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but I was like, wait a minute, what happened like five minutes ago? Uh, you didn't want to have your face covered at all if you don't want yeah. the rails to fall. <laughs> you know, like that, that feels a little odd to me. Yeah, uh, for sure. I was, um, the last grocery run I did, uh, two weeks ago, something like that. I was out and, um, I just had a bandana over my face, look, you know, super thugged up, uh, <laughs> which I enjoy. Um, but I'm, I'm in the checkout line and there is a woman and her daughter behind me who are both also wearing masks. Uh, but they were like getting real into my personal space in order to like access the little, you know, soda refrigerator in the checkout line. And I just politely turned to them and said, Hey, I'm sorry, but would you mind backing up and just keeping a little bit of distance? And the woman like scoffed at me and made some rude remark. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but <laughs> that was really strange to me because it's like, you're taking this seriously enough to be wearing PPE into a grocery store, but like the social distancing is the part that <laughs> you're having yeah. trouble with here. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's been real strange and I'm, you know, thankful that I haven't had to venture out into the dark zone too much. But, um, yeah, yeah I think stuff. the weirdest thing, I mean, if, if we can take, you know, some grain of humor, you know, with, with what's going on, oh, at, least, at least for me, that makes it seem less scary. You know what I mean? That's like, you know, like I love stand-up comedy. I love sketch comedy. And so the, to me, it's like, okay, this isn't going to own me if I could laugh at it a little bit, mm -hmm. if I could mm -hmm. laugh at the irony or I could laugh at, you know, just kind of the satire that's there. The absurdity and, of the, of the oh, entire yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the one thing that got me was I, I did, I had this, you know, we've been getting stuff delivered grocery wise for us for the last couple of weeks, but a couple of weeks ago, I, I did have to venture into a Walmart and uh, there were people that I'm pretty sure they like coordinated their outfit with their mask. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Hey, like, all right, you're owning it. You do that looks that looks great and good job. It reminded me of like the early two thousands when Nelly used to wear a bandaid under his eye. Yeah, it was, it was very much it was very much like that. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate having you on. Super enlightening. Again, anybody watching or listening, we're not lawyers, but we've at least given you something to look into uh, if you want more info on it. And if you guys wanted. If you want to just plug real quick anything that you guys have as far as some of those uh, articles and things and, and gun safety stuff on PewPew, Pew, where can they find you? Where can they access that stuff? Yeah, I mean, basically just uh, pewpewtactical.com. Uh, same thing for, for YouTube, uh, for Instagram. Uh, you'll, you'll see John up there. So uh, yeah, anything PewPew. Pew, so great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you guys again for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We want to extend our deepest gratitude to military, police, first responders, and more by saying thank you with special pricing and discounts on all facts and products. Here's how you get started. First, you'll head on over to our website, factsandfirearms.com. From there, you'll want to click support and guardian purchase program in the dropdown. Then you'll see the instructions on how to get started. So let's just walk through those. First, you'll want to register for an account on our website. If you've already bought something from us on our website before, then this part's already taken care of. Second, you'll want to send a copy of your credentials or some reasonable verification of affiliation to customer service at factionfirearms.com. 
We get a lot of emails where people are like, hey, will this count? Will this ID count? Will this VA card count? Chances are, yes, a lot of them will count, but make sure you attach an image or a copy of that verification to the email before you even ask customer service. That way they can expedite the process for you. As soon as the account has been created or updated, we will send you an email letting you know that you're ready to go. The discount will be available anytime online when you go to your shopping cart. If you have any more questions, please email customer service at faxandfirearms.com.